Welcome to part two of Ben Hogan's lesson on Jezebel from our fall retreat. Ben is going to go in and make the main hitting points of application from the life of Jezebel. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy this exploration of the evil person who was Jezebel. Jezebel goes, no, let's just kill him. Let's just stone him. That's the best way to take care of it. He can't, oh, he can't contest for his own vineyard if he's dead. And so that's exactly what they do. They kill Naboth. And so now Ahab, like a little eight-year-old spoiled boy, gets to have the vineyard he always wanted. And it's because Jezebel was really in charge in this story. Let's read verses 21 through 29, guys. 21 through 29. This is what happens. This is what God says happens after the taking of Naboth's vineyard. Verse 21. This is God talking. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashah, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, remember this, beginning of verse 23, it's a prophecy from God. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. It's a mouthful, huh? Jezebel by Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do the wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Table that verse. Talk about it in a minute. Verse 26. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put a sackcloth on his body and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring calamity in his days. In the days of his son I will bring the calamity upon his house. Alright, table that thought for a minute. Let's go back to verse 25. Okay, when we think about the life of Ahab, we're told at the very jump, at the very beginning of the life of Ahab, back in chapter 16, that this is the most evil king in the history of Israel. Well, fast forward to this chapter, and it tells us that 
Everything that Ahab did was because Jezebel, his wife, had stirred him up. Other translations said enticed him. And so here we find that, that God is, is giving this condemnation. He's condemning Ahab. Saying that, that, that you are going to have calamity in all of your house. He's condemning Jezebel by saying the dogs are going to eat you from the ground. And so Ahab hears this. Ahab hears this prophecy. He hears exactly what God said was going to happen. And what does he do? Does he say, bring it on? Does he say, I don't believe this? No. He has the exact opposite reaction you would assume he would have. And so he tears his clothes. He puts on sackcloth. He, he, he sits in ashes. He, he prays and he fasts. And he humbles himself before God. And what does God do in verse 29? He forgives him. He says, I will not bring calamity on his house because he has humbled himself before me. Is he talking about Jezebel? Or is this limited only to Ahab? Well, let's look at the rest of the story. Okay, in the next chapter, Ahab dies in battle. Ahab dies in battle, and in verse 40 of chapter 22, it says, Ahab rested with his fathers, and then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Rested with his fathers. This means a very positive way to die, right? You don't really rest if you have calamity towards you. You don't really rest and have, get to be with your ancestors. Right? He rested with his fathers because of his ability to ask for forgiveness. But what happened to Jezebel? You realize Jezebel is responsible for all the wickedness of Ahab, really. Maybe not all the wickedness, but very much most of the wickedness of Ahab. She incited him. She urged him to do the things that he did. She pulled the strings the whole time, writing on his behalf as if he was writing these decrees. So to answer the question of why aren't we talking about Ahab tonight, we're not talking about Ahab tonight because he wasn't the one really in charge. Jezebel was in charge. Jezebel was the one calling the shots. She is the true villain in this story. In fact, after he humbled himself, God tells him that he's not going to bring calamity on his house. And he rested with his fathers, as we just said. God punishes the actual villain in this story. But he doesn't do it for a long time. He doesn't do it for a long time. In fact... Not till 2 Kings that he punishes Jezebel. 2 Kings is after 1 Kings. Turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 9. Remember that prophecy that God had said about what would happen to Jezebel? That the dogs would eat her, her body from the ground? 
2 Kings chapter 9. Beginning in verse 33. Then he said, throw her down. Who's her? Jezebel. Throw her down. So they threw her down and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. And he trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, go now to see this accursed woman and bury her. For she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore, they, they came back and told him and he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, on the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field. In the plot of Jezreel, so they shall not say, here lies Jezebel. Not only was Jezebel eaten by the dogs. God made sure that there was no remnants of Jezebel. So that they could even say, here lies Jezebel. So that they could even have a grave marker. Of this woman. So that there will be no remembrance of Jezebel. In fact, that she might be literally licked away from this earth. There was nothing left of Jezebel. The skull was there, some of her feet were there, palms were there, but nothing was left. That's pretty gross, huh? Well, that's what happens when you're a villain in God's story. That's what happens when you're actually the villain of this story. Hey, uh, not Haman, we talked about him this morning. Ahab got to rest with his fathers, his, his ancestors. And again, just like this morning, you may be sitting here thinking tonight, I can't really relate to Jezebel. I really can't relate to Jezebel. There's no connection that I have to her life. This morning, we talked about the people that surround you. Remember that? Just for a little bit this morning, we talked about those individuals that surround you on a daily basis. And we said in 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says evil companions corrupt good morals or good habits. And we talked about how important it was. For you not to surround yourself. With evil companions. Because what did Haman do? He surrounded himself with friends. He surrounded himself with a wife. That had a horrible idea for him. In fact, their very idea killed them. The gallows, right? That was this morning. Tonight, we're flipping that on its head. Tonight, we're talking about are you the evil companion? Are you the evil companion? 
corrupting your friends' morals. Jezebel's influence in Ahab's life made him what was reckoned as the most evil king in the history of Israel at the time of his reign. The question tonight is, are we Jezebel in someone's life? Are we the one that influences our friends and family to make poor decisions? Are we the evil companion corrupting our brother and our sister in Christ? The question tonight is, could it be the case that 1 Corinthians 15.33 applies to us in a whole different way than we have ever thought before? Have you ever thought about this? Evil companions, corrupt good habits, corrupt good morals. Well, what if I'm the evil companion? What if I'm just like Jezebel when it comes to my friend? When it comes to my family member? When it comes to my girlfriend or my boyfriend? What if I'm the Jezebel that is making my friend or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my brother and sister in Christ, what if I'm Jezebel corrupting them? Because that's exactly what Jezebel did. Jezebel corrupted Ahab and made him make the decisions that made him the most evil king in the history of Israel. Are you corrupting your friend? Are you corrupting your brother or sister in Christ? Jezebel was the evil companion in Ahab's life. And she was so evil... She's one of the worst villains in all the Bible. We may not be as bad. We may not be as villainous as Jezebel. But it might be the case that we are the evil companion. That we are the evil companion when it comes to our brothers or sisters. We're the evil companion that's corrupting them to make horrible decisions. Just like Ahab made. Hey man, let's... We don't have to go to that Devo. Man, we have Devos all the time. We go to Columbia Academy, man. We have chapel all the time. We have Bible classes every day. I don't have to go to that Devo, man. Dude, listen, listen, we're not going. I'm sick of them agreeing, right? Man, we're not going to that Devo, man. That's stupid. All, we, we, those people who don't go to CA can go to those Devos. Dude, it's, it's stupid to sing during worship. I'm not going to sing during worship. Hey, let's not sing. I know that singing is, is to praise God and to worship God and to uplift His name, but man, that's, that's, that's just for when we're in Southgate Church of Christ, Billy.
Hey man, no one cares what we talk like in this locker room. We're in this locker room. There's nobody from church here. It's just me and you, man. Hey, nobody's going to see it if, if, if we uh, trick the gas station lady to let us have a jewel, an electronic cigarette. And every now and then we, we, we take some time to, to, to be with one another and to, and to smoke that together. Nobody from church is going to know. Come on, man, let's do it. I'm growing a beard now. I can probably pull it off. Right? Hey man, let's 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 not worry about anything about about the sermon today. Let's let, we've already heard, like I said about chapel, we've already heard so many chapel speeches, so many Bible classes, so many devos. We don't have to pay attention during the sermon. We don't have to pay attention during the sermon. Let's check out the score, man. Let's check out the score of that Auburn game. It's okay. I can say this because I've said it to their face before. It's not gossip because I've said it to their face before. So we can talk about this. Turn to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Verses 6 through 9. It says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out of it and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. You know, a lot of times we read this passage and we... And we think about those worldly influences, right? Those people who aren't members of the church. When we look at verse 6, we often look at it as if there are those outside the church that are trying to trip up us as Christians. There are those outside the church that are trying to cause one of these little ones, meaning his followers, to sin. But guys, I'm telling you right now tonight that there may be somebody here that is trying to cause you to sin. It might be your boyfriend. It might be your girlfriend. It might be the person that said all those statements that we said a minute ago. And Jesus, it's in red, Jesus says that it is better for that person 
that a millstone, an enormous stone, was hung around his neck and he was dragged to the bottom of the sea and he drowned. It's better for that to happen to that person that tries to cause one of these little ones to sin, one of my followers to sin. It's better for that person to drown and die in the depth of the sea than what's going to happen to him when I judge him. In fact, it says, Jesus says, listen, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Because it's better for you to not have that hand or not have that eye than for you to go to hell. Than for you to be cast out into hell fire, the Bible says. If you know who I'm talking about, that friend, that evil companion, it is better for you to cut them out of your life than it is to allow them to continue to corrupt you. It is better for you to cut them out of your life, to pluck them out of your life, than to continue to allow them to dominate your life. To continue to allow them to make you and challenge you and cause you to go towards the crooked path instead of the straight paths of righteousness. Acts 13.10 It is better for you to cut out the villain from your life Ahab would have been better off if he had cut out the villain from his life and not allowed her to make his decisions for him. To mar and to scar his good name as king of Israel. We grew up together though. We've always gone to school together. We've We've been in the same youth group for years. We go to college together. We're roommates. We're, we're, we're best friends. I can't cut them from my life. It's better for you to cut them from your life than not to have everlasting life. Than not to have eternal life. Who is the villain in your story? Cut them out. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Beginning in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out many demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, I never knew you, he says. 
Many were saying to me that day, Lord, Lord, we went to Fall Retreat. Lord, I went to chapel all, all my years of, of CA. Lord, I went to Bible class every day here in school. Lord, I went to Freed Hardeman. Lord, I was a part of the church. I, I came to the Devos. I, I came and, and I was there. Is that box not checked? And he'll declare to them, yeah, you were there. Your body was there. You physically were there. You weren't there emotionally. You weren't there mentally. You weren't there spiritually. You weren't there to praise me. You weren't there to sing songs to me. You weren't there to exalt me before all others. I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Again, we look at this passage and we think about the world, don't we? We think about the world. We think about all the different denominations. That that's what it's talking about. It's talking about all the denominations that think they're right, but are actually wrong. Guys, it is the case that that might be some people in this room tonight. That think they know God. But He don't know who they are. Are you the villain in your own story? Guys, if you are the evil companion in the lives of your brothers and sisters tonight, then you're the villain. If you are constantly leading your friends astray, then you're no different than Jezebel. One of the worst human beings that ever lived. Let me ask you this. Years from now, when you're my age, Ben's age, beautiful couple in the back's age, when you're our age and you're thinking about starting a family, Would they want to name their kid after you? Now, I'm not saying you have to be the type of person that they want to name their kid after. But I have people in my life that have impacted me so negatively spiritually that I would never name my kid after them. I might love the name. I might love the way the name sounds. But I would never name my kid that. Because of that person who impacted me so negatively when it came to spiritual things. Is that going to be you? Sitting here tonight, is that you?
Are you the person that no one would ever want to name their kid after? Just like no one would ever look at the sweet baby girl and say, let's call her Jezebel. You know what's amazing, though? I don't want to leave you down. You know what's amazing about God? What is amazing about God is that when you think back to the life of Ahab, it starts out by saying Ahab was the worst king in the history of Israel. But at the end of his life, when he decided to humble himself, When he decided to repent. God forgave Ahab. The very moment that Ahab tore his clothes. Sat in sackcloth and ashes. And humbled himself before the sight of God. God said I forgive you. Three chapters earlier, I just called you the worst king that's ever lived. But now you're going to be able to rest with your fathers, your ancestors. Guys, you could be the villain in the people beside you story. You could be the worst villain. You could be the worst evil companion. The worst person in this room tonight. And God would look at you if you decided to repent. And He would say, I forgive you. I love you. I wanted you to understand how far you've gone away from me. And now that you understand that, I want you to come back. Now that you understand that you have been the villain in your friend's story. Now that you understand that you have been the villain in your own story, I want you to come back. I want you to be mine again. I forgive you. And not only do I forgive you, but I forget all the things that you did. That's what happens when you are a part of God's story. That's what happens when you humble yourself. Even the most evil king in the history of Israel, God forgave. God will forgive you. Do you believe that? No matter what you've done, what you've said, how many times you've disappointed Him. How many times you've led your friends astray. God will forgive you. If you are the negative influence in your friend's life, repent. And God will take you back. Thank you so much for listening to this two-part series on Jezebel. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can be updated every time a new lesson is posted. Have a blessed day.